You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. New Zealand's stock exchange has sustained two distributed denial-of-service attacks this week. CISA and FBI issue an alert about Golden Spy. Two cyber mercenary groups are engaged in industrial espionage for hire. Thailand decides to crack down on sites that host content the government deems illegal. Joe Kerrigan looks at new types of crimes made possible by AI. Our guest is Shane Harris from The Washington Post on an elite CIA unit which failed to secure its own systems. And a Russian national faces U.S. charges of conspiracy to damage a computer. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Wednesday, August 26, 2020. NZX Limited, operator of New Zealand's stock exchange, halted trading for a few hours yesterday as it sustained a cyber attack. Reuters reports that it was the second such attack the exchange had suffered in as many days. According to Security Brief, the incident was a distributed denial-of-service attack, specifically a volumetric distributed denial-of-service attack from offshore. A distributed denial-of-service attack of this kind in itself doesn't put data at risk, but it does interrupt operations. In this case, as the BBC points out, it's likely that investors and brokers were unable to execute trades. The attack remains under investigation. There's no indication in any of the reports that NZX received any threats or extortion demands before the attack hit, but CERT-NZ did warn back in November that emails styling themselves as being from Fancy Bear threatened denial-of-service attacks against financial services firms unless the companies paid a ransom. But nothing came of it at the time beyond a brief flurry of 30-minute demonstrations, so November's threats were empty. It's also a lead-pipe cinch that the threats didn't come from the real Fancy Bear, which of course is a hacking unit of Russia's GRU. Instead, they were an early instance of copycat criminals attempting to cash in on the intelligence service swank that attaches to the bears. So, no, not Fancy Bear or any other Ursine threat group, just hoods using a booter. InfoSecurity Magazine reports that CISA and the FBI have issued a joint flash alert 
concerning the golden spy malware embedded in tax software that Beijing requires businesses operating in China to use. The alert points out that golden spy is the work of a threat group that knows what it's doing. Quote, This reveals the actor's high level of sophistication and operational awareness. The software service providers have not provided a statement acknowledging the software supply chain compromise. The alert reads, It goes on to say that the FBI assesses that the cyber actor's persistent attempts to silently remove the malware is not a sign of resignation. Rather, it is an effort to hide their capabilities. Organizations conducting business in China continue to be at risk from system vulnerabilities exploited by the tax software and similar supply chains. Two mercenary groups are drawing attention. The first, Death Stalker, identified and named by the security firm Kaspersky, targets financial services and legal firms. Death Stalker doesn't seem to be monetizing its hacking in any obvious way. It's not demanding ransom, and its take hasn't been seen for sale in any of the usual dark web markets. This suggests that it's a hack-for-hire operation. As the report puts it, quote, They don't deploy ransomware, steal payment information to resell it, or engage in any type of activity commonly associated with the cybercrime underworld. Their interest in gathering sensitive business information leads us to believe that Deathstalker is a group of mercenaries offering hacking-for-hire services or acting as some sort of information broker in financial services, end quote. Kaspersky says they've found that Deathstalker has been active since 2018, with some signs suggesting that the group may have been active as early as 2012. Deathstalker's signature tool is PowerSing, a PowerShell-based implant. Deathstalker could be a small group or even a skilled individual taking good advantage of a reliable tool. Deathstalker appears to choose its targets either for their perceived value or because it's been tasked to hit those targets by those who've hired Deathstalker. The other mercenary gang doesn't have a name yet, let alone one so menacing as Deathstalker. Researchers at the security firm Bitdefender this morning described the other mercenary crew as an industrial espionage outfit. The target is an unnamed luxury real estate company with a large architectural practice. The hackers used a maliciously crafted plugin for Autodesk 3D Studio Max, a widely used 3D computer graphic tool. The plugin deploys a backdoor used to scout for valuable files. The threat group's command and control infrastructure is based in South Korea. Telemetry suggests to Bitdefender that there may be other unidentified victims in South Korea, the United States, Japan, and South Africa. Who's behind the group is unclear. It may be a purely criminal operation. But Bitdefender points out that similar mercenary operations in the past have been connected to state-sponsored groups perhaps Moonlighters. The Washington Post reports that Thailand is cracking down on social media critical of the country's monarchy. The Minister of Digital Economy and Society said that when it deemed a web address to contain illegal material, it would obtain a court order to block access in Thailand to that address. Enforcement would then fall on the platform that carries the illegal material. They'd have 15 days to comply with the court order or face legal action. The decision came to general attention because Facebook was directed to take down the Royalist Marketplace group, whose posts were deemed insulting to Thailand's monarchy. Facebook complied, but it's also preparing legal action to challenge the order. A Facebook spokesperson told CNN, quote, Requests like this are severe, contravene international human rights law, 
and have a chilling effect on people's ability to express themselves. We work to protect and defend the rights of all Internet users and are prepared to legally challenge this request. End quote. And finally, a Russian national, Yegor Yegorich Kryuchkov, has been arrested in Los Angeles by U.S. authorities who allege that he was conspiring to intentionally damage a computer. The Las Vegas Sun reports that the FBI maintains that from about July 15th to about August 22nd, Kryuchkov conspired with associates to recruit an employee of a company to introduce malware into an unnamed company's computer network. That unnamed company was in Nevada, and the feds say that Mr. Kryuchov was offering prospective co-conspirators up to a million dollars to help him install that malware. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. Shane Harris writes for The Washington Post, and he joins us with details from his recent story on an elite CIA unit that developed hacking tools, but came up short when securing its own systems. Well, we have been following this story uh, for more than a year now. This relates to a huge uh, leak or disclosure of CIA computer hacking tools that occurred back in March 2017 when they were published on WikiLeaks, uh, which gave this release the name Vault 7, which your listeners may be familiar with. We were uh, following that when it occurred, uh, and then we later broke the story about uh, the government arresting someone who they suspected in the leak itself, a former CIA employee. Uh, And so we've just sort of been on this for a while now, covering his trial uh, as well. Uh, And once this report, this internal report came to light, it was shared with us by uh, a senator who is key on these issues as well, Senator Wyden. And it was really the first look that we had had 
internally to the CIA at how they believed this uh, leak occurred and the assessment of the damage that they gave it as well. Your your article mentions that perhaps there were some misunderstandings between the folks who ran the unit and the people who maintained the network, that, that there might have been some problem with some contractors? Yes. One of the issues that got uh, noted in the report is this question around whether or not this network on which the CIA employees were building these cyber tools, and we should emphasize this is a network that is separate from the larger enterprise network of the CIA, so it's kind of its own discrete little sandbox, if you will, that the engineers who were working on that presumed that they had an ability to audit that network. Um, It turns out that that actually was not as well-maintained as these offensive folks thought, Uh, and that the network itself was being maintained by contractors. And this former official told us that there was this misunderstanding between the people who run the unit and the people who maintained the network. And now, of course, we see why that misunderstanding and that disconnect proved to be so disastrous. But what this person was essentially saying is like, look, these were separate jobs. And, you know, and the offensive guys assumed that the contractors were, were protecting them in ways that ultimately they just weren't. How is the CIA responding to this report? Has there been much pushback or are they are they taking their lumps and, and looking at as lessons learned? I think the latter, really. I mean, this the, the, it's our understanding that the, the panel that did this review, and, and they're not identified in the report, are well-respected in the agency. There's a sense that, you know, they did do an adequate job. They know what they're talking about. You know, they have enough familiarity with the subject matter. And, you know, and the CIA recognizes that this was not only a huge breach, but they, the government lawyers prosecuting the alleged leaker have said in court that it was the biggest unauthorized disclosure of classified CIA information in history. Uh, you know, it, it led to the uh, shutting down of operations. It exposed these tools to American adversaries. So I don't think the agency is trying to sugarcoat it. They know how bad this is, and they are very aggressively pursuing this individual who they think was the leaker. That's Shane Harris from The Washington Post. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute and also my co-host over on the Hacking Humans podcast. Hello, Joe. Hi, Dave. Uh, Interesting article came by from ZDNet. It has uh, what I I guess is a somewhat breathless title. It's uh, (laughs) Evil AI. These are the 20 most dangerous crimes that artificial intelligence will create. 
but under the hood there, there's some interesting things in here. Take us through this article, Joe. What's going right. on? So what happened was there was a ranking that was put together after scientists from the University College London compiled a list of 20 AI-enabled crimes. Hmm. And this was kind of like a survey of, of these scientists and they ranked these crimes in order of concern based on what harm they could cause, the potential for criminal profit or for gain, how easy they are to carry out, and how difficult they would be to stop. Hmm. Okay. So uh, topping the list, not surprisingly, something that uh, we've seen before are deep fakes. And uh, I've said before that I'm not really concerned about deep fakes uh, for the 2020 election, but I'm very concerned about deep fakes and in the 2024 election. Uh, I think that's going to be a enough time for these things to improve to the point where they may become a problem. This article on ZDNet points out that there are tools out there on many of these platforms that can detect deep fakes, but there are plenty of unmoderated or uncontrolled, I won't say censored, but uh, plenty of other channels for this information to flow through, this misinformation. Yeah. So that's actually I don't I don't actually disagree with that. Deep, deep fakes are uh, potentially one of the most devastating things we're going to be see, seeing coming out of AI. In the list of crimes, they they list of high concern. Another thing is the AI authored fake news, and that's that's going to be they predict that's going to be a real problem as well, and it it may very well be. Uh, this is where we're going to have to have information provenance on these so we can know the history of where this information came from. And there's got to be some kind of technical solution around verifiable information for this. Uh, but then that relies on the populace to uh, to understand that how this works and how and how to uh, how to ver how how to collect valid information for your own opinion forming yeah. and not collect this fake information. The other things they list here are driverless cars being weaponized, tailored fishing. I think that's a, a good observation that tailored fishing is going to become a, a problem with AI. Large-scale mm -hmm. blackmail is interesting. Uh, you know, hmm. the, the, the ability to automate the collection of data on all kinds of people and then essentially threaten them with doxing. I mean, can you imagine the amount of money you could make on just threatening to dox a million people? Yeah. Um, some of the lower concern things, they have misuse of, of military robots. Snake oil, I have a real problem with people that sell snake oil. Uh, Learning-based mm -hmm. cyber attacks, uh, autonomous attack drones, denial of service and online activities. Um, and, and here's another one, manipulating financial or stock markets. I actually think that's a, a bigger threat as well. Hmm. Um, that, that, that that is something that can be uh, uh, have an opportunity for huge profits, huge profits. Yeah. And then the AI crimes that they have of low concern here are burglar bots, AI authored fake reviews, and uh, AI assisted stalking. I don't hmm. know why that's so low. Um, but burglar bots, I'm not too worried about burglar bots. <laughs> that's yeah, the, the only one that stands out to me, it leaves me scratching my head, is uh, driverless vehicles as a weapon. Yeah. Um, and having that be a high concern. I, 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 I don't know. I wonder about that. I mean, a, a driverless vehicle presumably is going to be pretty traceable. It's going to have you know, some kind of VIN on it or I, I, I that there are all kinds of it's like people um, folks I've talked to about uh, this sort of thing have said, yeah, but th this is one of those things that sort of relies on social norms. I mean, you don't have it just doesn't really happen. You know, right. <laughs> they 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 grab headlines. They're interesting to think about as, as worst case scenarios, but yeah. they just don't really happen that much. Right. I don't I don't. 
I'm not too terribly concerned about that right now. I am concerned about the verifiability of autonomous systems. In fact, we have the uh, Institute for Assured Autonomy now at JHU, uh, Mm. where we're focusing research on making sure that autonomous systems are verifiable and Mm. among other things. The thing I find most concerning is the deep fakes and the uh, fake news from AI. Um, Mm. I think those two are not... I don't think that people will use them for for profit, but I do believe people will use them as a means to power. Um, and mm. I don't know if anybody of our listeners have picked up on this, but I am I am very leery of people who seek power. <laughs> okay, fair enough. All right. Well, again, the article's titled "Evil AI." These are the twenty most dangerous crimes that artificial intelligence will create. It's over at ZDNet. Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Dave. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for Cyberwire Pro. It'll save you time, keep you informed, and four out of five dentists recommend it. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The Cyberwire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland at the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Ivan, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI.